Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to the land of bourbon and bad decisions. This is Relentless Daring live on podbean.com or on the Podbean app, however you prefer to listen. Um, so another complete week of insanity. What's up, Scuba Steve? See you hanging out there in the crowd. The crowd of one at the moment. It's all right. I know some people are kind of slow and not everyone gets the memo when I'm doing the show early. So, but you know. It was uh, tomorrow being the 4th and fireworks and family dinners and stuff like that. It's just kind of hard to, you know, try to squeeze in doing a show at this time as well. So, doing it at night early. So, all of the insanity has just been ratcheted up to 10 over the past 24 hours. Uh, right now, the Washington Redskins... They are taking a hard look at changing their name to something less offensive. Really? Because at one point in American history, someone referred to uh, collecting Native American scalps as redskins. When you go back before that, the first people wanting to use that phrase to delineate between themselves and the Europeans were Native Americans who called themselves Redskins. <laughs> Scuba Steve says, the Washington Maroon Epidermal Layers? I'm, I'm not opposed. However, there may be some who can see past the shenanigans. Well, frankly, they're Probably not intelligent enough to see past it. So, yeah, it would probably work. Get away with it. But, oh my goodness. And then everyone's been losing their minds over everything. However, I'm going to look at some stupidity that's been going on. For And then, yeah, before I close the show, I'm going to go a few thoughts on Independence Day this year. Ah, yeah, first story that I'm going to look at here is... Uh, from the great, great city of Seattle and their crazy communist government. Uh, their city council passed a big business tax. And say, okay, how does that affect me? But 
if, if you just reading through the article, there's so much Marxist, uh, so many Marxist buzzwords and phrases going through. It's absolutely uh, riddled, lousy with uh, the Marxism and eat the rich uh, opinion. Uh, Seattle City Council Budget Committee voted to advance a tax on big business. Councilmember Teresa Mosqueda's legislation now moves on to full city council vote Monday. Steve says that uh, Seattle's a city run by morons. Actually, he's screaming the word morons. However, I don't want to have to do a whole lot of uh, lot of correction on this. So, hey, Sean, you made it to the show! Yay! Glad you're here. Anyways, uh, the proposal dubbed "Jumpstart Seattle." was unveiled in mid-June and would raise over $200 million a year by levying a tax on corporations with payrolls over $7 million. Qualifying businesses would be taxed 0.7% for every employee, making over $150,000. So you're going to have some uh, some management who's going to be the cause of that tax. I have a new co-host, apparently. A fluffy white cat who is now walking all over the computer. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I give you live internet radio. But anyways, now that the cat has decided to run away, you know, so so point seven percent for every employee making over one hundred fifty grand. And 1.4% for for employees making over $500,000. <laughs> Steve says this is the cat show and I am the co-host. Well then, I wish the cat would do more talking and let me enjoy more of my bourbon. But, anyways, uh, there's a tweet from Kshma Sawant. I don't even know what that means. But she's a, one of the uh, city council members. Today's historic Amazon tax victory shows what the working class is capable of. We cannot stop. The whole system is rotten. It needs to be dismantled. Capitalism is a police state, and it's a system of poverty, violence, and climate catastrophe. Oh, my God. Uh, Mosqueda has assembled a large coalition of local businesses, unions, nonprofits, and more to support her proposal. Uh, in other words, she found a lot of people who don't make near that seven million dollar payroll and wishes they had the money. And in a striking example of mm, covetousness. And covetous politics. They decided that, um, yeah, we're going to start taxing. It's like, okay, well, it doesn't even say how this uh, 0.7%. Is it 0.7% of that $7 million? 0.7% of that 
of the $150,000 that each employee is making, <laughs> it, it really doesn't say exactly. Uh, five of nine council members have intimated they support Mosqueda's bill, as is including a bunch of people. I'm assuming they're all communists. Uh, council members Alex Peterson and Deborah Juarez have expressed reservations and had previously asked the proposal be put to a ballot measure for voters to decide. Uh, Peterson were the two no votes on, a sev on the 7-2 passing on Wednesday. Uh, Downtown Seattle Association had strong opposition. And it makes sense because what's going to happen uh, in, in the long run, second, third order effects that people never really want to stop and think about when it comes to taxes. Sure, they, they look at the first order effect and you cut taxes as, oh my God, they just gave the rich a tax cut. What? How? That's unfair. Well, yeah, well, they also got a smaller percentage tax cut than I did. But because they make more money, their smaller percentage is still a bigger number of actual dollars, which that's fine. Uh, they they talk a lot about oh these businesses and these rich people with these giant incomes. They 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 it's just not fair. They don't pay their fair share. It's like well okay well who's defining fair? Are we using a set standard? We're going to have everybody, regardless of income, pay X amount of money. <gasps> Well, what about these people? They're only paying 10%. Well, 10% of, I don't know, a million dollars is what? $100,000? They're still paying more than the person who's making $20,000 a year and paying in $2,000. You see where I'm going with this? It's, it's not a hard concept. Unfortunately, um, ever since, I don't know, Woodrow Wilson, and even before Woodrow Wilson, you have people like, I don't know, um, Teddy Roosevelt, one of the first true progressives to serve in, you know, serve as president. A man who believed that, well, I, I don't begrudge the rich for the money they've made, but he would prefer that, you know, they use that money to make sure that they're taking care of uh taking care of their communities which okay that would be nice but it's their money if they don't want to donate money to the local whatchamahoosits, whatever charity needs money that's on them if they want to be greedy pigs let them be greedy pigs i don't care it's theirs however the problem is, with the passing of the 16th Amendment and giving us the ever-popular income tax, which, by the way, is unconstitutional because there's not supposed to be a direct tax on people's incomes. Whoopsie! Um, because of... You know, the income tax, well, you just can't have everyone paying the same amount, the same percentage. Because, you know, 
they're successful people. They need to be punished because they're taking. <laughs> yes, I I described uh, I described you know Teddy Roosevelt and Woodrow Wilson's popular. Is it popular? I I do not think that words mean what you think it does. Yes, yes, yes. I know. I know. It's just one of those things, Steve. I I I, I have to. You know, I, I just have to throw words in there. And make some words salad because until I'm able to take phone calls. Or, you know, someone wants to do an interview. I have another 49 minutes worth of time to fill and I have to use words. And no, don't ask me what my favorite word is because I don't have one. Um, so, now with the invention of the income tax, you know, all the progressives decide that yeah, well, you just can't have people all paying the same amount. I mean, these rich people—they're they're robber barons. They're—they're—they're they're, they're stealing from the poor. Well, n no, the poor are voluntarily giving them their money in exchange for a good or service. If they don't want the good or service, they don't have to pay for it, unless it's unless it's health insurance. But I believe, you know, but then, then again, the, uh, that whole $500, quote, individual mandate was struck down. So you no longer have to pay that $500, whether you want health insurance, need health insurance, or have it or not. <laughs> Steve says me taking phone calls would be fun. I'm sure it would. Until, I don't know, I I really need, would love to get someone like uh, Patriot Mobile as a sponsor. That would be awesome. Even if the only thing they did was, here, take a phone, here's the phone number you can use to do calls, and you just tell people who it came from. That would be amazing. And I'd be like, hey, have this number, I can just turn the phone off between shows. Not have to worry about getting blown up with like crazy people trying to call me at all hours of the day. Oh God, I couldn't even imagine that. So, you know, that you had the progressives who want to punish those evil robber parents. So, I think we had upwards of ninety percent income tax on top wage earners at one point in our history during the Depression. You know, when job creation was really needed, but due to the, um, well, I don't want to call him a fascist, but there were a lot of fascist-like tendencies with FDR to the point where actual fascists like Mussolini and Hitler were calling him a fellow fascist. You know, Hey, you don't have this, uh, you see you're not a member of the, uh, the, the Blue Eagle stamp here. Um, so we're going to step in. We're going to make it really, really difficult for you to ever do business. Ever. 
Uh, Steve says, can we call him a socialist, please? I mean, we we could. I mean, he did want to federalize yeah, pretty much everything. That's very socialist sounding. But then, you know, with things like the Blue Eagle stamp where he's able to come in and go, hey, uh, if you don't have this stamp, you are not going to be able to uh, conduct business the way I want you to. And if you did have that Blue Eagle stamp, if they came in and said, hey, your tire plant is now going to manufacture X, Y, and Z widgets, guess what? You you, you want to uh, keep your doors open. You're going to retool and make X, Y, and Z widgets. No more tires for you. But, you know, no other, no other, you know, leader in the world would come in just dictate what a private industry is going to wait what what really hitler came in he told the uh the porsche family what kind of cars they're going to build the people's white really huh that's crazy someone talked to me off off mic here yeah because that's what dictators do sure they may give the illusion of or actually allow you to continue to own your business and notice how I say allow because as long as you're continuing to serve the public interest well then we will allow you to keep running your business we won't have to take it from you we will not have to oust we not won't have to kick you out of your own business and put someone else in charge who's willing to play ball. <laughs> Steve, that's rude. I can't read that on the air. This is a PG-13 show. But, yeah, so now you have a city council in Seattle. It's basically um, really they're going to find a way around. They're going to find a way around the stupid. Uh, it, let's call it what it is. It's a head tax. Uh, the only difference between that and an actual head tax is that a head tax applies to all employees of a company regardless of their income level. And again, it's going to come down to who's paying it. Is it going to be the employees who have the Horrible, horrible misfortune of being the ones earning over $150,000 a year or $400,000 a year. It, is that where it's going to come from? Or is it going to be, you know, let's say Boeing's headquarters in Seattle. Is it going to be Boeing paying, paying that out of their pocket, you know, out of their actual income? Per employee. More than likely. Uh, and then you're going to end up with people who are going to start losing money. You're going to have low-level managers who have managed to work their way up through that six-figure salary. Who will then have to take a pay cut because, well, if the company's paying for it, if you're not making that amount of money... 
well then we don't have to pay it so we're going to uh we're gonna cut it back you're gonna have people who are right there on the verge of yeah, I just get that promotion I'm gonna go from th you know three hundred ninety nine thousand dollars I'll finally be at four hundred thousand dollars and then well they might get the promotion won't get the pay raise because again the a business is going to look out for the business you can take that as you will either good or bad but it's like the US government is a bureaucracy and the bureaucracy only carries only cares about one thing defending the bureaucracy that's the reason why we have you know federal employee unions because well we just can't be firing federal employees all willy-nilly yeah, we don't care if they did things that were horribly, horribly wrong, like, I don't know, mismanaging a federal hospital to the point where records are being lost, it's failing cleanliness and hygiene inspections, and people are dying on your watch as a result of your horrible mismanagement, to the point where the Secretary of, the Ve of Veterans Affairs personally fires you and then you have the union companies go no 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 you can't fire him that's not right that's not nice and so the dude gets his job back it's absolutely ridiculous and these are the things that you know they like said a business is going to look out for the business okay if I'm having to pay this tax out of the business pockets what am I going to do to minimize how much money I'm paying out. I'm not going to give raises to certain people whether whether or not they deserve it. I'm going to cut pay where I can or they're going to minimize workforce and try to become more efficient either through automation or spreading the workload out over fewer people. Now, I know, what do I know? I've, I've never run a business. I got it. I'm, I'm talking out my fourth point of contact here. But, you know, these, these are common sense things. You know, when, whenever a business has to, you know, save money, what the first thing that they look at, the first thing they look at cutting is labor. Because labor costs are typically your biggest expenditure. But, you know, also in the world of uh, progressives, you know, they, they love to do perform a lot of do as I say, not as I do. Well, uh, from Gateway Pundit here. Gavin Newsom keeps his winery open for tastings over 4th of July weekend as he orders beaches, restaurants to be closed, and targets family gatherings. Oh. Like I said, do as I say, not as I do. California Governor Gavin Newsom, Democrat, on Tuesday announced he will be rolling back the state's reopening due to the surge in coronavirus coronavirus cases, which could possibly have nothing to do with that porous border down there just to the south of Sacramento. They're right, you know, 
right next to Mexico. Who has done absolutely nothing in trying to stop coronavirus, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Los Angeles, Riverside, San Bernardino, Ventura, and Orange Counties on Wednesday were ordered to close indoor operations of restaurants, wineries, tasting rooms, zoos, and museums. Here is the list of sectors to close operations, including wineries and tasting rooms, and the impacted counties. And it has a nice little uh, looks like PowerPoint sheet from California Resilience Roadmap. And the impacted counties, Contra Costa, Fresno, Glen, Imperial, Kern, Kings, Los Angeles, Merced, Orange, Riverside, blah, 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 blah. Conveniently, Gavin Newsom's vineyard, located in Napa Valley, is open for business. <laughs> Napa Valley is not being targeted by Newsom. Uh, according to Sinsterly video post from Pump Jack Winery's Instagram page, which that's the name of Gavin Newsom's winery, Plump Jack doesn't make any sense, but whatever. All visitors this weekend are required to wear masks unless they are seated at a table. So, people are allowed to go pay for a wine tasting at Gavin Newsom's Vineyard, but beaches are closed. No, you look like an idiot. Um, I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure this reeks completely of, oh, I don't know. Oh, what's it called? Oh, conflict of interest. That's weird. You're ordering all these things closed down in neighboring counties. And, and and all those counties that I was reading off of, they're not all located down in uh down in Southern California. There's there's several counties that are considered Northern California. Uh, caught was it? Do, 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 that's, scroll back up here. Uh, Contra Costa is up up in the Bay Area. It's also up in wine country. And there's several other wine country counties that are closed, but not Napa. Isn't that peculiar? Uh, the closures will be in effect from July 3rd to July 5th. Newsom also targeted family gatherings and 4th of July barbecues. Newsom said he's concerned about people who may go to a barbecue, only take off their face masks to eat and drink and leave their masks off. Quote, I cannot say it enough. I said it last week, I said it yesterday, and I'll say it again. We've got 4th of July weekend coming up. One of the biggest air concerns relates to the spread of COVID-19 in the state remains family gatherings. Not just bars. Not just being out in the streets where people are protesting and the like. End quote. Uh, continue the quote. It's specific. Um, this is highlighted. It's specifically family gatherings, where family members, or rather households, immediate and extended, begin to mix and take down their guard. They, they may walk into that barbecue with masks on, and then they, they put the cooler down, the mask comes off, and they have a glass of water, and all of a sudden, nieces and nephews start congregating. And you just 
basically went on to eh, say don't go celebrate anything with your family because you will make each other sick. It's uh, the same time he's keeping his own winery open where well, you know, they're, if they're if they're at the table, they can take their mask off because well the because the, they're at the table. Well, what happens if they get up from the table where they're tasting their wine, eating their cheese and fruit, and they go use the restroom? Is someone going to be monitoring them to make sure they put the mask back on? Is someone going to be monitoring them to make sure that they don't let their guard down? And when they finish with their uh, wine tasting, when they go to leave, they fail to put their mask back on. I mean, it, it's very condescending of any politician to assume that, well, the people just aren't bright enough. They, they don't know. They're, they're poor sheep that must be shepherded through, the, through this dangerous valley because they don't know what dangers are out there. It's awful. They could make themselves sick. They could pass it around. While at the same time, they're closing down restaurants, but the place that they own stays open. Oh, peculiar. Uh, curiouser and curiouser, I believe is what Lewis Carroll wrote in Through the Looking Glass. And it's just, again, it just makes absolutely no sense. But then again, <laughs> it's 2020. Oh, all sense went out the, all sense went out the window. Oh, I don't know, a little over six months ago. I'm gonna take a quick break. Be right back after this. This is Tyler from Relentless Daring, and I am launching the brand new RelentlessDaring.com merch shop. Instead of having to go to a third-party vendor, now you can do everything right there at RelentlessDaring.com. If you want to buy merch, go to RelentlessDaring.com slash shop, and there you can get hats, you can get t-shirts, you can get hoodies, you can get coffee cups, you can get stickers. Go there today to show your love for the Relentless Daring podcast, and as always, stay relentless. All right, getting back into it. Um, so you know, and, uh, one last thing here before I share some thoughts on you know Fourth of July. So one of the biggest criticisms that Donald Trump has had during this presidency is through who he's getting advice from. Um, early on, it was definitely Steve Bannon was one of the worst. <laughs> but the uh, the one of the long-lasting negative effect, negative influencers has been Javanka. But Tyler, who is Javanka? Yet, if if you don't listen to uh, Steve Dace, you you probably never heard that one before. But that is the uh, power comp power couple of 
Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump. And they have been very vocal on some issues that eh, those who are fairly right-leaning have been against. Um, I've heard a lot of people, you know, speaking out that, you know, uh, David Horowitz from Conservative Review talking about the uh, uh, criminal justice reform. He refers to it as jailbreak. My more libertarian leanings look at it as, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's not such a bad thing. Although I think that criminal justice reform would be better served by education not necessarily just well you know you were pushing drugs you didn't you know have any acts of violence so we're gonna we're gonna you know cut you some slack and let you out early and we're gonna and get rid of the and also i really think getting rid of minimum uh sentencing standards thanks joe biden i think that'd be a great way to really uh, help with criminal justice and mass incarceration and I know I'm probably sounding, you know, bleeding heart liberal here, but I don't know. There are things that can be done and have been shown time and time again in prison systems to reduce the recidivism rate. I know recidivism is a $5 word. Break it down. Recidivism is the tendency of a of an offender to reoffend and end up back in the prison system. Um, you know, and like I said, one of the biggest ones is education. Uh, you, if you're able to adjust funding to allow job skill training, a lot of people in prison are not high school graduates. Help them get their GEDs. And even a GED is, you know, raises the likelihood of being able to get a job. And these are things that has been shown throughout time to reduce the likelihood of inmates ending up back in prison. But like I said, Jared has you know, a lot of negative influence and more liberal influences on the president. Now, this is an opinion piece from... Uh, at Red State, uh, new report is coming out that Donald Trump has recognized his current track isn't one to victory, and that he's changing course. Specifically, he's taking aim at son-in-law Jared Kushner for giving him bad advice and pushing policies that haven't helped presidents with the election chances. Uh, this is coming from Axios, and all caveats when dealing with the anonymous reports. But Jonathan Swan has been pretty solid when it comes to sourcing within the White House. Uh, it's a tweet from Jonathan Swan. Quote, President Trump has told people in recent days that he regrets following some of his son-in-law and senior advisor Jared Kushner's political advice, including supporting criminal justice reform and will stick closer to his own instincts. Yeah, Sean says that Trump needs a Twitter proofreader for him. Uh, yeah, well, when he's tweeting it like, Four o'clock in the morning, while he's on the while he's on the uh, throne in the there in the White House, eh, I don't, 
I don't think he wants to pull a, a Lyndon Johnson, have someone stand over him while he's sitting on the crapper to make sure his tweets are properly spelled or he's not going to tweet out random words like Kofefe. Uh, let's see. President Trump has told people in recent days he regrets following him, Jared Kushner. As rewriting of some of the stuff. All right. Uh, behind the scenes, one person who spoke with the president interpreted his thinking this way. Quote, no more of Jared's woke crap. This is, uh, that last part is inserted by me because, well, this is a PG-13 show. Another said Trump has indicated that following Kushner's advice has harmed him politically. Which, yeah, there's a lot of people who look at some of the stuff that Kushner has, you know, pushed Trump on and is like, uh, no. And and I hope this is true. Um, I don't think Kushner has given President Trump the worst advice in the world, definitely, definitely some that has gone against Trump's instincts and against some of the stuff that Trump's base is really pushing for. And I say Trump's base because, well, frankly, I'm not in that base. Um, in 2016, when Trump had secured the nomination, I was fairly mm, in the camp of he's just a New York Democrat who's being the ultimate of rhinos, that being Republican in name only. You know, carpetbagging with an opposing political party just to gain influence. Uh, if this is true, it'll be welcome news to me, Trump supporters, as Kushner has been in their sights for a long time. How much influence he truly has is up for speculation. But it certainly appears to be substantial. Given that, and given Trump's recent downward trend, it stands to reason that Kushner would start to feel some heat. Axios also claims that Trump regrets the recent push for police reform. And it's, that's one of those things. I'm not opposed to having reforms for policing. Um, mostly in hiring and training. However, there has been such um, such a negative light shined on police in the past 10 years, 12 years, that it's made it really hard to be able to recruit good police officers. And so now you start getting a lot of those officers who... They, they were bullied in school, or they were the bullies. And this is a chance to, ha, I'm in charge now, or just continue on more of the same. Um, also, uh, training standards. There are police, like in Missouri, there is... There's three police academies outside of the Highway Patrol Academy. And those academies are actually a fairly substantial uh, fairly substantial education time. Whereas 
I think the uh, Highway Patrol Academy six months plus. I think because I looked into it and I I don't remember how long after after the academy until you're fully running solo, but. Uh, there's places where they don't have that, those kind of standards, and so yeah, having I think having cer- a certain threshold that state academies, or even uh, like the non-state academies here in Missouri, they're at they're at colleges and universities, and those ones I think are more rigorous because I I think when you graduate you actually have an associate's degree in criminal justice. And you're there for almost two years. However, it's just... But just having the federal government come in and universally say, all of you are bad, fix it. Now, that doesn't help. That just uh, breeds resentment. Well, what do you mean? I'm doing my job right. Uh, You need to have... You know, limit how much uh, unions are able to protect bad officers. Prosecutors need to be willing to step up and prosecute bad cops. Uh, Derek Chauvin, the officer involved in the killing, uh, one of the officers involved in the killing of George Floyd, had numerous uh, run-ins within the law and numerous uh, reports against him of overuse of force but he was never prosecuted it could and it could be one of those you know the report was made but the union this is speculation don't quote me on any of this but it could just be that you know the union stepped in and go whoa 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 whoa." you know he'll go to you know, anger management, you know, when he shows us uh, a certificate of completion, you know, it'll be in his record, but, you know, it's been dealt with. And, And that's what really hurts police. Is when you have officers who protect their brothers because, you know, maybe they didn't see everything. And so, you know, yeah, you want to give give them the benefit of the doubt, and that's a perfectly understandable response. But sometimes they do see everything, but, well, you know, he's so overreacted, or I don't know, and, and they they question what they saw. And then their normalcy bias starts kicking in to make it easier to accept what they saw. Um, a friend of mine was telling a story about someone they knew who grew up outside one of the concentration camps in Germany. And for to this day, still swears that she never knew what was going on in that camp. That, you know, yes, there were the incinerators going, but 
Oh, that's not ash falling. That's that's snow. Yeah, that, that that's snow. I said normalcy bias. It helps protect your mind from having to make eh, some really bad judgment calls, or really hard judgment calls. To be more better sti better stated. Alright, so before I go, um, 4th of July, Independence Day. Most of us will get together with friends and family. We'll have barbecues, ice cream, watermelon, shoot off some fireworks. Yeah, listen to songs that seem patriotic, but when you actually stop and look at the lyrics and go, ooh. Why do we play this on the 4th of July again? Born in the USA, looking at you. But, really, we should stop and just think. 244 years ago, 56 men gathered in a hot, cramped hall at the local government center in Philadelphia. And for the previous several weeks, they were arguing, debating, fighting, about to call it quits on do we really want to declare ourselves a nation free from tyrannical rule from a country that was still a several weeks ship ride away. Fifty-six men signed a letter to the king that said revolutionary things. That we were endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They declared that all men were created equal. Not all white men, all men. These heroes, who essentially signed their death warrants, had fought and argued. Thomas Jefferson, in his original draft of the Declaration of Independence, wrote an entire paragraph absolutely scourging King George. For allowing the, the capturing and selling of men, capturing them on one continent, 
transporting them overseas to sell them on another as cattle. Many of these men owned slaves. So upon the advice of Benjamin Franklin, who was a, you know, grew up and raised as a Quaker, although he would be considered a hedonist uh, by today's standards, so obviously not following his faith, the faith he was raised in, convinced Thomas Jefferson, ah, you know, if we want unanimous consent when as a as the Continental Congress in declaring our independence, I know you mean well by writing this, but we will never gain the support of slaveholding states or slaveholding colonies if you include this. So it was stricken. These are men who, despite many flaws, some were weak, some were cowardly, some were were assuredly drunks. You had one man, one of the uh, one of the three delegates from Delaware, was home on his deathbed. And when it was brought to the attention of the rest of rest of the Congress that he wasn't there, that he was bedridden, pages were sent to ride to Delaware. They were readying the carriage when here comes uh, Caesar Rodney on death's door. And he climbs on a horse, not in the carriage, he gets on a horse. And rides all night through a thunderstorm in order to cast his vote, to be able to have unanimous consent from the Continental Congress to declare us a free nation. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm worried. I'm worried that many people no longer want us to be a free nation, or worse, they don't care. We've, we've allowed Marxism to be shoved down our throats, uh, in a political ideology that doesn't believe in freedom of man does not believe in individual rights, believes in the collective. Where no man is, no woman, regardless of skin color, is more important than the greater good. And the greater good has been used time and time again to, to commit horrible atrocities. And I worry that the apathy that has settled into our country 244 years in 
is going to be the greatest undoing because no one's going to want to stand because, well, you know, it, it's it's not hurting me. We have people, you know, what, 1% of our population who are willing to be deployed and fight on behalf of this country should our government decide that use of force is the only remaining option or that we are going to go to the aid of a an aid of a friend against a common foe I was part of that 1% I'm very proud of the service that to this country that I have given. As I'm sure those of you who are veterans or active service members are the spouse or child or parent of one. As you are proud of their service. I am just concerned that when it's all said and done it will be it will be a service in vain. Many of us need to look back where we raised our right hands and we said I, Aaron Morgan, do solemnly swear to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States of America and bear true faith and allegiance to the same. I will obey the orders of the president and those officers appointed over me according to regulation and the uniform code of military justice. So help me God. There's times where I look back at that oath and I think on those words. What does that mean? It's part of, part of the reason why I do this show. Because maybe in my way, I'm able to spark the desire for someone else to step up and be a voice for change. To be a voice for conserving those principles on which this country was founded. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for listening to the show, for tuning in for you know downloading it visiting the website thank you so very much i cannot begin to tell you how much it means to me to be to be a part of your lives in some way that you would take the time to listen to to my ramblings my Sometimes filtered through a glass of whiskey opinions. And you keep coming back for more. Thank you again so much. All right, that's going to be the show for this week, folks. Thank you again for tuning in and listening. 
Uh, remember, if you want to buy merch, if you want to donate to the show, go to RelentlessDaring.com. You can also stream back episodes of the podcast there. Uh, there there's the hats that are for sale. The, there's uh, new shirt designs out. Hey, check those out at RelentlessDaring.com. Um, again, if you're you know, listening to this on podcast and you are listening to it on Apple, I ask you to do four things. Four ADB things. Number one, subscribe. Because, you know, those subscription numbers, they, they help the algorithm to find more people like you. Number two, rate it. Leave that five-star review. There's still that one douche canoe who left the one star just because he was being a troll. I know where, you, I know where you're at. I see you out there laughing because I never listen to a show. I give one star rating. Uh-huh. Number three, write a nice review. It doesn't have to be super flowery, but, you know, glowing. Glowing is nice because, you know, glowing can also be radioactive. could just be very nice, and you never know. And finally, the last thing, share it. Send a link to the show. Send it to a friend. Someone who thinks like you, and you think they might find this show entertaining. Or, shoot, someone who you know this show will piss off. That one that one crazy liberal friend. Yeah, you know who they are. Send it to them, just to get under their skin. Because why? Hate and discontent is so much fun. Again, thank you all for listening. Um, love doing this every week. Uh, anything that goes as far as merch... Uh, donates to the show. All of it goes back into here. Uh, it keeps the show on the air. Keeps, you know, keeps equipment upgraded. You know, all that good stuff. Again, thank you so much for tuning in every week. And as always, stay relentless. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.